Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, this week, we're continuing in the Lord's Prayer. We're in this larger part of the series of the Sermon on the Mount, but focused in on the Lord's Prayer, and we're talking about daily bread. And we're going to wrestle with, you know, some countries seem like they have more bread than other countries. Some political systems seem more inclined to producing bread than others. And we're going to wrestle with all those sorts of things. And ultimately, we're going to talk about does God... What does he mean by daily bread when we talk about that? So let's dive right in. Well, we're not. Oh. Well, we're live, but we're not live. Oh, YouTube just asked me if I wanted to watch this live. Yeah, well, we go live at uh, some point. The fun little music that you get that I don't get. Exactly. So there's like a pre-show like musical presentation that's da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da. And then... When we are actually ready, as gotta, opposed to when we're supposed music. to be ready, da, 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 da. it's about two minutes. Like it's it's like, like this weird thing where Boxcast, which is uh, not sponsored by Boxcast, but um, Boxcast <laughs> is our streaming service. It like it's it's got to like compress all our video and all the oh, stuff, yeah, and yeah. so it takes it starts somewhere around two minutes after. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. So eleven oh two. We are live, but we were we're, already live. Well, yeah, it'll show our like pre-show for about Uh two minutes, and then we're actually. Is this like when you see like a star doing something, and you're like, "Oh, the the light is like old." Yeah, exactly like that. It's kind of like that. Wow, look at that. Yeah, and I noticed your little lamp is off for some reason, which is bugging me. How do I turn it off? There's a little foot switch. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Or a hand switch in this case, if you can reach it. Look at that. See, look at that. See, now you have the Shekinah glory of the Lord upon you. (laughs) Well, this is a typical way to open a podcast. (laughs) Talking about our gear, talking about how the process works. We know you're here. I was listening to a podcast the other day where they like (laughs) intentionally went and found like the best 30 seconds of content in the entire hour. And they played that first. And then the guy came and he did this intro and he was like, this is what we're talking about today. I was like, oh, that's what people who have more time do with their podcasts. Yeah, I know. I actually listen to a lot of really good podcasts, too. <laughs> and then there's ours. There's us. <laughs> hey, but. But it makes us happy. One of the biggest barriers to most people actually running a consistent podcast is all that effort. Yeah. And what we do, I walk in here, I talk to the uh you know who? Yeah, you can't say it now because it might turn it all off. I, exactly, because I don't want to say. I, I say hello to this one device that then turns on our studio, mm. and yeah. we're off to the races. That's it. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. really easy. Absolutely. So uh, even we can run a podcast. Even we can, and we do pretty consistently. We do consistency. We have. We have. Yeah. Consistently that. bad. Maybe. <laughs> consistency. Yes. Well. I have some stuff to talk about today. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, did you but, have a bunch of stuff you cut or something? Um, I, so so I actually, I didn't, but I also did, if that makes sense. Or was it like something you like, I wish I hadn't said it that way, and now I want to no, fix no, it? No, no, it wasn't any of that. It was, it was actually more like, I, I think, so to me, the interesting thing, I never felt like I had space to get into on Sunday. And this Sunday, if you were not there listening, catching up on podcast, we talked about Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Yeah. 
And so I think I did I did take a moment to reflect on the fact that Jesus was talking to people who knew what it was to go without bread. Um, there's actually this, like, uh, to me, a fascinating part to the book of Ruth where they leave Bethlehem because there is no bread. Yeah. And see, so like, wow, there is no bread in the house of bread because Bethlehem means house of bread. It's like very yep. significant. The place that was known for bread doesn't have bread. Yeah. Um, and and so they their culture, they knew that. They knew famine. They knew starvation. They knew the dangerous line that was trodden between eking out existence and starvation. Like, you know, you could be yeah. off work for a few days and suddenly the money's gone. They didn't have credit cards they didn't have mortgages they didn't have any of those things the the almost all of your all of your income went on subsistence just buying food for your family to live on um i did quickly pivot to so what does it mean for us who don't have that i have 20 yard supermarkets within walking distance of my house yeah. i have even if i don't have money in the bank i have credit cards with thousands of dollars of accessible credit like just in a moment i can just swipe a card and pretend i never bought it yeah um and i can figure it out later is that how credit works yeah pretend like you never bought it you, you can <laughs> you can yes I for, mean, for a while like, that that's and then like, eventually you're like oh i bought that that debt yeah. conversation yeah, yeah, actually yeah. will lead us fascinatingly to this week yeah, where we'll yeah. talk about the language of debt yep um what i didn't ever take time to do was to say you know actually there's a whole bunch of the world right now that does know that still yeah. So the conversation about bread is still a real conversation. Who gets to have what? Like the actual physical bread thing. Is, yeah. Yeah. It, I think it's fascinating, like, having traveled around the world uh, a fairly decent amount, having grown up in a different country. Mm -hmm. um, it's shocking to me how much more accessible the scriptures are to some of some yeah. other cultures for a number of reasons one the the poverty the state of poverty in some other countries makes certain passages just land more naturally and easily yes. for them and then also culturally like a communal culture versus a individualistic culture um a like warm culture relationally driven mm -hmm. versus productivity driven yeah uh you know, socialist versus capitalist. So these sorts of society, certain societies are closer aligned with ancient Israel. Yes. I'm, and yeah. therefore like certain texts just, Oh, that makes sense. To, and then we have to like do a little bit of a hop, skip and a jump to try and make the mental leap to try and understand yes. where they're coming from. Yeah. You, you realize that you, you can learn a, a lot about a culture by the proverbs that, that have been maintained through history. So I heard this fascinating, like, dichotomy. You, you can go back and look at what, what's the average amount of hours someone works in a, uh, in a month or year. Yeah. Or how many days is maybe a better analogy of how many days a, a, a person works. So in French serfdom, like, and we tend to think of serfdom as, as bad. Um, the average serf worked 200 days a year. I work more than 200 days a year. 
I mean, well, a lot of people think I only work 52 days a year. <laughs> I, I work more Contrary than Contrary to popular belief, that. he does show up occasionally more yeah. than Sundays. <laughs> where, where, and this person was writing, and he, he found this one tribe in, in a certain part of Africa. I can't remember where it was. And he said this tribe worked on average 120 days a year. And then he went to part of China, and they worked 350 days a year. So one of the proverbs in this part of, of China was, he who rises before dawn 350 days a year will not fail to make his family rich. Like that was wow. like some of their work ethic, their drive. The, the tribe in Africa, there was a certain, certain, yeah, you may know what it is, a certain type of high protein, like well, not a fruit, but some kind of um, root, something that grew on the ground, literally, or felt like literally just sprung up from the ground. I can't remember what it was called, but they said, if God had intended us to work, he wouldn't have given us this because it was just there. It was enough. And yeah. so your proverbs and your like your your practice and way of being will, will say a lot about the accessibility of food, uh, the need for drive or not to have drive to get food. But that f that bread conversation is still huge. The story that always comes to mind for me is about probably about. 10 years ago, we, we heard all the time about those Somalian pirates. Yeah. That were just grabbing like ships yep. as they sailed past. And I remember that my small group and I had a ha at the time had a conversation like, what would you do in that situation? Um, and I was like, oh, I'd steal the bread. Like, I, 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 I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd be with them. Like, you know. You'd be a pirate. Yeah. You make but, a good pirate. But I think, I can't remember if it was you that told me this, but someone someone told me this story about being in a seminary class with like 19 white Americans and one African. Yeah. And the, the that ethical question, would you steal to feed yourself bread or feed your family bread came up. And, and the, the 19 Americans said yes. And the one African who's seen starvation and seen poverty said no. And yeah. he said, what's so bad about death that we would betray our savior by breaking his commandments? Yeah. Which is just like. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, Africa is a pretty large place and there's massive cultural swings. Of course. The yeah. Continent. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, there's some similarities across those different things. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Yes. So that so that like that that conversation about bread is still present. And we've had all sorts of political ideas on how you rectify that you've got the like the marketplace will be fair in the long run yeah like just capitalism just, will just win if you, if you move into that yeah. like eventually uh, the other argument has been like well no eventually the government have to come and they have to make it fair um neither of those two seem to be doing awfully well right now yeah um not seeing a huge amount well, of success yeah uh, yeah, and of course, way. and uh, the purist on the capitalist side would be like, well, that's because the Federal Reserve keeps printing money. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, it would yeah. be fine. Capitalism would work utterly perfectly if yes. it weren't for the Federal Reserve. Interestingly, as yeah, maybe. <laughs> as the communist yeah. is also saying yeah. on the other side, like, yeah. oh, we've, we just haven't done it properly. Yeah, um, it's totally possible if it, if we just did it correctly. Yeah, you know? so, so the, there's always that, like, tension. Yeah, or maybe... 
or maybe humans aren't smart enough to run the world and we need God or something. Yeah. I don't know. Man, yeah. Throw that out there. So that to me was like <laughs> the interesting thing. Like I felt like I, I just didn't have time to get into. Like when you get into Acts, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter four, it feels like somewhere the Jesus church figures that out, you know? And, and so, so I, I, I touched on that like sociological reading of the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. Which has always just fascinated and challenged me. So I'm like, yeah, man, this seems like a miracle. What will actually know the miracle happens. It may, it may not happen then, you know, Jesus demonstrates what it is to, to, to turn that small amount of food into food for everyone. And then the early church says, yeah, we're going to make sure there's enough food for everyone. Yeah. So, so in a culture that desperately needed that, like, so, so to me, there's all that, that geopolitical question that I tried to land just on the personal side of like, well, what, what are you going to do with your bread? Um, Yeah. And there's been some, um, there's been some political touch points throughout this, especially part two, actually the whole Sermon on the Mount has different political touch points because it's, you know, it's, if you were to put it in more uh, vernacular language, this is Jesus's proposal for a government system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is like, okay, this is how humans should behave and this is how infrastructure should yeah. work and stuff. Now, mind you, he doesn't get into some of the specifics about like, should there be three party or two parties? Should there be three parties? Should there be, should there be this system or that system politically mm-hmm. but what he does say is this is how humans sh- should live in my yes. world um which yeah. is at which is a politically char- that's the same proposal that other political systems are saying and we we as humans should organize ourselves in this way to, in order to maximize s- human something maximize thriving maximize human well-being potentially to live as god lives in never-ending union and care for the other right yeah. i mean potentially and that, so all political systems are trying to organize humans in such a way that it produces the best possible outcomes and then sometimes those systems go off the rails well, think- and damage large large populations in order mm. to benefit a small portion and so on and so forth well i think we tend to think about politics small p versus politics large p like there is like uh, politic like the 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 system whatever it is that you use all comes under that big p term and then there's like what we think of in terms of like political parties and all those different aspects that that is maybe a little bit different um yeah and and I I think the hard part for us, I watched, I was watching Parks and Rec the other day, like, you know, brilliant show, like so many like smart observations and Ron Swanson, the, the ultimate libertarian character in it, who has got his gold buried in some place that he doesn't yeah. know. Like he's also got his decoy, decoy gold buried somewhere else yeah. and stuff like <laughs> that. And, he, and, and there's the, the episode I was watching last night, he, um, <laughs> he sat at a campfire telling his version of horror stories. And, you know, there's that classic horror story that like, you know, the driver's in the car and then she looks back and like the guy sat in the seat. It's like, then she turned around and she looked in a back window and she saw in her own property, 
a government inspection tag. Like, it's like, <laughs> like horror that someone could own something and the government would be able to say you had to check it was okay to drive. Like, you just, uh, to him, that's the, like, the ultimate. Yeah, like, I, I love in that show where there's a little, a little girl who shows up at, <laughs> and wanting to do a, a, a re- book yes. report on politics and so he he teaches her like these libertarian ways <laughs> and like uh, like the subject of the paper is what is government good for and she comes back and after talking to ron swanson her paper is it's good for nothing <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, and so her mom comes in yeah. is all angry at him totally yeah like, it's so funny. Yeah, and, and so he's so good the, character the hard part then is is like you can follow that political way of thinking. My wife always says I'm a lib- she's a libertarian. She's like that's how she she rolls. She's like you know, yeah. yeah. I don't want the government to do anything for me. I'm like yeah, uh, and you can follow that system. That's actually fine. That's your politics, your small p. But there will be a political system, big p, like rulership, ownership of the world that will be installed one day. That is God's kingdom. Yeah. And and what he says to us, even us that might say we're libertarians at heart, he says, no, you will bow the knee. You must bow. Like, there is no option to not bow the personal inclination and desires to Jesus. Because yeah. everyone will. Um, yeah. And so that, like, how, how, do you, how do you hold a political view while also living out the way of Jesus is an important question. Yeah, and I... And what reading the scriptures, especially the gospels and and specifically the Sermon on the Mount, you start to see the complexity of the answer to that question because the re- the reality is there's little there's little glimmers of Jesus like thinking mm. in multiple little p polit- political yeah. systems. Um and you're like, ooh, well, I like this piece of that. Oh, but that piece of their system yep. doesn't sound like the way of Jesus. Uh, but oh, but this piece does, and that oh, but that piece doesn't sound like Jesus. And so the you end up essentially being forced to, no matter which country you live in, no matter which political environment you're in, if there's an earthly government, you're going to be choosing from non-ideal yeah. uh options. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe you're out there and you're thinking, no, I've actually cracked the code and I know the perfect human political system and it is fill in the blank. Okay. Well, history's not proven that out to be the case. There's been no perfect system. Yeah. Um, so far, uh, and the Sermon on the Mount is sort of Jesus proposal Mm -hmm. for the system. And that's where you see, I'm going to sneeze one second. (laughs) oh man uh that's where you see where where you have to react to your own politics regardless of the system to follow jesus well if you stand in that libertarian space and say well the market will correct itself everyone just has to get out and earn fine from a governmental point of view you still have to do what jesus asks which is to give that to those that are in need to share what you have with those that don't have. Yeah. Um, And potentially, according to this prayer, to say, yeah, I surrender. You might take some of my bread because other people might need it. And if you hold the other view that, well, the government will just go and appropriately redistribute the goods 
uh, and they'll make sure everything happens that needs to happen. Well, fine, but no, you still need to share what you have with people that have needs. Um, the same kingdom ethic applies regardless of what you think will happen politically. Yeah. Your responsibility is still to obey what Jesus asks us to obey. Yeah, and I think like really seriously engaging the kingdom of God and trying to understand it, not just as like this ethereal thing that will happen someday, but actually see it as genuine um, policy, yeah. genuine political worldview content that Jesus taught. As I've studied it more, what it's, what it's done is it's taken some of the edges off of my political persuasion. Yes. Because, like I said, once you start to see, it it becomes a lens through which you start to see some of the brokenness of all the different worldly systems. And you're like, oh, like, I tend to, I tend to be a little bit more um, uh, economically, you know, in, in favor of capitalism. I think it's, like, been one of the better human systems. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you look at like a socialist system and you're like the idea of like everybody helping everyone out, I can, I can also see from the a heart perspective, why that sounds really good yes. and beautiful. Um, and so then you have to just say, Oh, is which one? Oh, this one. You, I can't, I can no longer say this is categorically evil. Mm -hmm. And this is categorically right. Yeah. I have to say, oh, no, the capitalist systems constantly wound yeah, people yeah. because the, the poorest of the poor make the product for the, the wealthiest. And then, yes, there tends to be a balancing maybe mm -hmm. in some ways, but like it still creates a lot of problems yeah. so and to then be, vice versa. To be completely comfortable with a capitalist system, you have to believe that there's not employers out there that aren't abusing their employees and taking advantage of them and creating untenable systems to, to vote the other side, the, the full on communist side, you have to believe that the government isn't out there uh, abusing their employees, taking advantage of them and creating unworkable systems. And I don't think any of us at this point would say I'm completely comfortable with either of those statements, but the, yeah, the, because both of them, both of them have a really, really high view of human nature. Yeah. Like if you just get the right human yeah. in the right position and throw all the money you can at them, everything's going to be awesome. Oh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. What universe that? Yeah, has yeah. that ever worked where There's... someone gives the most power and the most money turns into the greatest saint. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why the, there's like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. There's a reason that saying is a thing. Wait, I thought it was it's real. I thought it was power corrupts and absolute power turns you into a gem of a human being. That would... <laughs> oh, Oh, I might've misquoted it. <laughs> oh, no, man. I, I, I like, think so both political sides, both political extremes yeah are banking on the fact that absolute power turns you into a yeah. saint. And there's that great, there's this comedian that's that's doing pretty well right now. He he, he talks about how, uh, he says, you know, he says, uh, if you're out there and you, you don't believe in any conspiracy theories, like I'm not talking about all of them, but like, I, I just mean you don't believe any of them. You think they're all true. He says like, you think the government's just out there like 
batting a thousand like <laughs> like so i know how much stuff i hide from my kids <laughs> he's like i'm running conspiracy <laughs> theories in my own home yeah. so i think the, the the fun part of all that is when people say to me something like I, I feel like i don't have a political party anymore i feel like you know i'm homeless i'm like good like that feels like jesus might be starting to to, to to just point to some different aspects that make you say, oh yeah, that, yeah. That. So I, I really struggle moving over here. I don't get to vote. I'm not not a citizen, so I, I'm, I don't have any voting rights. But it was hard for me coming over here to think about voting at all because I come from a culture that's high social safety net. That just happens to be my preference. I'm also pro life. So when I came over here, it felt like the language was well. You don't get to have both of those things. Like, pick which one's more important to you. Yeah, the two-party system hurts so yeah. much. <laughs> and, and, and so I, 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 was, but I was like, so well, no, I, I can't le let go of either of them because I've seen them both lead to death. Like, I've seen both of the, the absence of both lead to, to death. Yeah. You know, that... that um, it's interesting. I've spent more time this year over the last nine or so months studying the various different candidates and trying to decide you know what what is the most jesus way evil like, like yeah, yeah, yeah out of all the evils out there which one's the most possible jesus way yeah um evil that i could choose and man alive it's like the more i've researched the different folks and i have a few candidates out there that i'm like okay that might be the least of all evils or whatever uh -huh. but it's just pain it's the two-party system's increasingly painful the yeah. more I research into their, the actual policies, man alive, it's just hard to be crammed into these two highly uh, opposite feeling things Yep. Um, where I want to pick and choose sentiments from both. Yeah. And it's, it's just so interesting that that's where we landed. That's where we are. But yeah. I actually think that that's actually one of the beautiful invitations of being a follower of Jesus mm is elsewhere in the scriptures, we learn that we're supposed to be praying for our leadership. Yeah. And so it, the other beauty is that God is like, even though sometimes it does admittedly feel like God's lost control, he has not. Mm -hmm. And so if your person doesn't show up in office, yeah, it's going to be just fine. And, and if your person doesn't show up, you know, and this is, this is the, like the challenge side of that coin. If your person doesn't end up in office and you say, well, I'm not praying for that guy. I don't like him. That's not an option. Then you're not really following Jesus. You're yeah. following your political pr pr preference. Yeah. So like if I, so let's like play out two possible scenarios. Like let's say you're a strong Republican or a libertarian and suddenly a Democrat ends up in office. You're like, okay, well, they're going to try and tax us more, mm -hmm. build, they're going to spend more money trying to yeah. do social things. All right. Well, that might not be my, I don't think that that works very well. Personally, let's, let's just say if you're in that mm -hmm. scenario, well, I'm going to pray that the people spending government money have the heart of Jesus and get as much mm -hmm. government money to the hurting as possible. Yeah. That's a Jesus way kind of yeah. prayer to pray for a democratic, uh, government, uh, in party and then vice versa if if you're a strong democrat or even a socialist or whatever and you and you a, a republican lands in in office mm -hmm. you say okay lord i 
pray that if there's tax breaks and government starts to shrink, Lord, would you let nonprofits rise mm, up and meet yeah. the needs in such a beautiful, powerful way? Even though you may be skeptical that's mm-hmm. possible if you're in that camp, you just say, yeah. like, I just pray that some nonprofits really yeah, and, kill and, it this and, cycle and, because and there's a lot of people out there hurting and, and they need help. And I also pray for the people in power to have wisdom to still get the more limited resources to the people that really, exactly. really need it. It's, and so, so either way, the prayer is for the government yeah. and that, and you have to believe in a God who's big enough to actually accomplish his ends through either party yes. So just some to, way. just to clarify, praying for them does not include praying okay. for their airplane to fall out the sky, yeah. or for a comet to land on the White House when they're in it, or it's any of those things. Prayer, That's yeah. a, like not like yeah. Um, as someone once said to me something like, "Yeah, I pray for my enemies. <laughs> I pray for them to suffer miserably." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, probably and, not, yeah. I've actually I actually talked to someone recently who sort of had that sentiment about. Israel, like I, I hate the Palestinians and I will not pray for them. Yeah. And I was like, and they're like, I don't know. What do you think about that? And I was like, well, it just doesn't sound like Jesus way. That's well, well, and and, you can feel that way, but it's just not the way of Jesus. And and they're like a little bit caught off guard by that. I'm sorry. Like the, the cross, the fact that God came and died for his enemies is so foundational to what it means to be a Christian that if you if you want to retain that kind of rage against a a group of people or an individual um it's it it just means that that it it makes sense maybe yeah given some damage that that person's done to you or that group of people have done to other people they may be horrifying terrifying people the nazis you know whatever you want to name the worst possible human being hitler that you could think of but the jesus way is to try to find a way to die for that person well, to show love well, and it's the like book wow. of jonah is exactly that even pre jesus now jesus the cross is the macro example of that it is the ultimate expression of like an, an an individual, God as a human being lay, laying down his life for all of humanity. But but Jonah a few hundred years before, I mean, Nineveh is no is no like Girl Scout. It's like yeah. I mean it, it, they equally could hold up to the Nazis in terms of evil and expressions of evil. They yeah. were an atrocious society in so many ways. And and the book is like is almost like a tongue in cheek, like poking at like no, this is the kind of thing that God that that God does, like yep. you know, and this is how we might celebrate it. Yeah, he pursues uh, his enemies. So so that yeah that that love, seems yeah. to so, so uh, he, full confession. Yeah, I'm not sure how we got from bread to this topic. Well, it's still bread, right? It's, okay. it's it's all about how Can you, you tie us back into it. Well, so it's we, we, we've been spending time talking about how governments manage bread and how we respond to that person. OK, yeah. And yet still the the takeaway for everyone always has to be give me today my daily bread. And what does that mean? Because we would love it to mean give me more than I need. You know, like sw- like like overflow. Now, now, interestingly, there are other places where Jesus seems to invite more prayers like that. Given it will be given unto, unto you, shaken down, yeah, shaken up, pressed down, like flowing over. So, so 
the challenge is when you're locked into one specific text that's made up of just a few words. Like, what do you do? Do you do you try and honor that specific text and stick with that? Do you say, you don't ever want to say, oh, well, yeah, he doesn't really mean this because he says this here. Um, because there's always like a, a conversation there, like, and there's always context and there's always those different things. So to me, I just really focused on, well, like one, we were so familiar with this text, you know, good old Dallas Willard with his uh, saying, um, unfamiliarity breeds, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. Like the more that you read something, the less familiar you can become with it. Um, we've most of us been praying, give us today our daily bread without really scanning it at all. Just it now just trips off the tongue and, and we don't have to sit in it. And yeah, same as same as we'll talk about with forgiveness, right? When you feel like the weight of forgiveness, like, wow. Um, and so there's this obvious tautology when you look at it again, like give us today our daily bread. Like yeah. today, give us the bread for today. It, it doesn't, it feels like a redundancy. Which we, we have a question related to that, yeah. uh, that section. Um, if you want to jump into it now, or we could, we'll get to it. it. We'll get yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, so I, I was just it, it tapped into my curiosity. So I went back onto a little bit of a deep dive, of like, well, where, where does that language come from? And and it turns out that that daily actually is this mystery word that has just lurked around for now for for you know centuries. People have been wrestling with in the second century, two hundred years after Jesus lived. Oregon is like, we don't know what it means. Yeah. I mean, when, when you read people saying stuff like that, like that just shows the mystery of Bible translation of how you go about that process. Like, and Well, in fairness, there's not a lot of words in the New Testament or the Old Testament that are like that. There are a few, yes. but this is one of them. But, but yes, yeah. so this is like the most obvious example of complex there are lots of other examples of somewhat complex yes and we see that like you know just in terms of how words change in our brief brief lives yeah um so so i really wanted to get into just that like that different those two different ideas that but perhaps it's a time reference and and perhaps it's a quantity reference um and, and kenneth bailey if there's anyone out there that likes to go back and, and really study he was really helpful with this he does this deep dive into because his thesis is, well, there's got to be something somewhere that that gave rise to these two traditions that can kind of get us back to like the two traditions being one time based, yeah, one, one time based, based, one quantity based. Yeah. Um, okay. And and so that's where he he was the one that gave me like the I I feel like a good translation of this is give us the bread that doesn't run out because that's okay. like that's that's both time it's continual because it doesn't run out but it's also quantity it's enough so it doesn't run out yeah like it, it really gets to the heartbeat of both of those things yeah okay um, yeah well i mean i think i think we're already in the middle of answering the question yeah. so okay, let me just it. jump into the question during the sermon you quoted the proverb in which the phrase daily bread was you mm. was also found two questions what aramaic word for daily was used there well one that was probably that was hebrew not yeah. aramaic but not epiusion according to your teaching 
And was this a common phrase or idea in in the Old Testament or New Testament times? Which is a great question. This is this is actually your that first question is what Bible translators start to have to do in these kinds mm. of situations. They say, okay, maybe this term daily bread is a is something that other language systems used that were Jewish in origin. Let's go back to the mm-hmm. uh, two options. They go back to the Hebrew text of mm-hmm. Proverbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they see which Hebrew word yeah. was there and what, what are the connotations of that? Is that what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Or they'll use the LXX, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew text yeah. and see what really, really early uh, yeah. Jewish scholars yeah, 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 used yeah. to translate Hebrew into Greek yeah. and then see if the word's there. Well, so, so yeah, we know it's not epiusion. I don't know what yes. word it is. I'd have to go look, but I can but pull it, it up. Go on, pull it up. It's not, you it's, can pull up the other. Which proverb is it? Proverbs 30 verse. Uh, people. Turns out there is no book of the Bible called people. 30. There isn't? Oh. <laughs> If we ever write a book, let's call it that. Um, Proverbs 30. 30 verse. Oh, man, it's just open the whole Proverbs. 30 verse 8 and 9. So, yeah, this this specific reference is in, in verse 8. Okay, so let me get the Hebrew text up. Put this on the screen for those who care to see it. But um, So we have daily bread. Um, the Hebrew word is lechem here, I think. Yeah, daily. All right, and then I'll do an expansion of the word here. So the things you can do online now. Daily. Let me zoom in on this so we can see if there's some nuance here. Prescribed tasks, appropriate portion. There we go. Allotted portion. My fair portion of food. Appointed time. Portion term at the top. There we go. My fair portion of food. So that that very much ties to that language of of give me enough. Yeah, it ties very much. To, there's this beautiful expression of that same idea in Ecclesiastes, where he says something like better, better, better one, better one hand with tranquility than two hands grasping and chasing after the wind. Yeah, like it's like this acceptance of what's given. Um, but it does carry some of the like it it lands pretty well in what Kenneth Bailey yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's, it's a consistent enough supply that it has time, and so, but also enough. So, yeah. so the the manna story would have so been lodged in the minds of people in the first century that when they heard any expression around like "give us bread." regardless of some of the surrounding aspects to it, like they would have been like, oh, we got a story for that. I mean, it's so like, we just forget how central these stories were to these people that weren't like, we have so much entertainment today. We have entertainment that they would never have dreamed would ever exist. And so, so to them, well, what was the entertainment? It was the retelling of old stories. Yeah. Um, And, and, and every male child will go and learn these stories by heart like as soon as jesus says bread and today they're like oh yeah we got you yeah so 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 that like always like sends you back to that exodus text 
Yeah, which is which is helpful in interpreting this text. Yeah. But it doesn't answer the question. So like that question is very insightful. It helps yeah. you maybe get sort of the heartbeat of this passage or whatever and, and give you some interpretive mm-hmm. tools, right? Yeah. But it doesn't answer the question then, why did this why did Matthew use this this word? Mm. If he could have just used a even stronger uh literary tie back to those old testament yeah. words. Why did he use such a rare word that doesn't show up in any other ancient context? Was it an error in the manuscript? Was it, uh, uh, was he trying to add ambiguity so that you couldn't land on either time or quantity? What, what, so the reality is there's a word in there uh-huh. that we, it's unexpected. You yeah. can get, use these other texts to help you interpret it. Mm-hmm but it still doesn't answer that question, which yeah. is super fascinating, which there's a second part to this question. Let's do the second part of the question. All right. The second part is, oh, how do I end up editing it? All right. So another question, you focus significantly on the pronouns Jesus used as a basis for understanding his purpose. Is it too simple or straightforward to think that part of all of the reason the pronouns change to plural with how we should pray is simply because his disciples, plural, how would how should we pray? Ask mm-hmm. the question. Thank you. Yeah, and, and so that that moves to the Luke prayer, which yep. does have that introduction. Matthew doesn't have that introduction. Yeah. So again, now you get into like some of the the the. the but he's still talking to a crowd. This then is how you should. Yeah, pray. but it, but the problem is he he uses singular terms when he talks about giving just the passage before. Okay. So then that's what makes you start to think like, okay, so why, like, why the, and, and so why you, yeah. y'all, y'all, yeah, y'all, yeah. yeah. And, and you're still quite able to say, um, this is how we pray. Give me today my day, daily bread. Like, I, I think, I, I think in our context, you could definitely say that. Like you can pray in a group of people and still pray for what you need. Um, but and you talked about this the other day, and I think you had you been reading Jonathan Pennington. Was that where this quote came from? I think did you share that quote about how um, how communal yes these societies were? Like yeah, yeah and I, I was trying to remember where the, where it came from, but I, I I think Jonathan Pennington either either quotes it or he um or yeah. he or he said it himself. But like for us to understand how central community is to the way of jesus like there may be other religious structures that can be followed by yourself that you can just discover walking in amongst the trees christianity is not one of those structures yeah i mean that that is just like for us individual people in the west is just baffling to us and and i actually heard brilliantly the other day like um Craig Rochelle said this, and it just like it was one of those things that just felt like it fell like a hammer blow. He said that our fear is that the major threat is progressive Christianity. Um, and he said that's not the major threat at all. The major threat is uh, self-reflective Christianity, Ooh, or like self-centered Christianity. Yeah, he said there that it is. that's that's the threat. Yeah. It's actually a William Howard Ross yeah. um, quote, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I remember now he did quote those guys. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that there may be religious 
religions that come to you through quiet walks in the woods or by sitting quietly in the library with a book or rummaging around in the recesses of your psyche. Christianity is not one of them. Christianity is inherently communal, a matter of life in the body, the church. Jesus did not call isolated individuals to follow him. He called a group of disciples. That, that Paul uses that language all the time. Uh, it's always like you as a plural. It's always us. It's always we. It's always... Now, does that mean you don't go and pray by yourself? Absolutely not. Does that mean you don't study a text by yourself? But, but if that's your sense of, the, I, I am pulled in that direction, we, you're actually probably missing out. Yeah. And so the me is a prerequisite or a, uh, a means to the we. Yes. In the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, your personal spiritual practices, which the scriptures talk a lot yeah. about and Jesus models a lot for us, are a means to participating in healthy ways with the larger community. If they are just a means to like feel really, really good about yourself and mm-hmm. have personal peace and that's the end of the story, it's not Christianity. Yes. And see, that's where the that's where the breakdown is. And so I don't know, I don't know, frankly, if hidden inside of this question is a wrestling yeah. with this. You guys keep talking about us, 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 us all throughout this prayer. And I really want to make this personal and, and give me the freedom to pray this. Well, prayer that's as like me. And yeah. And when we get to this coming week, um, Helmut Thalicki does this amazing job reflecting on the prayer. Forgive us our debts is really God. Will you bring healing to this whole world? And the, constant interchange of debts that are owed from nation to nation and person to person and yeah it, it's so so i think the people first hearing jesus have this huge advantage because they were a a far less individualistic society than we were by nature yeah again another example yeah. of something that's a little quicker for a communal society i was get. just getting dinner with a friend the other day and she's been working she's been mentoring afghans and she was saying one of the things that they were working around is the, the lady she's been mentoring. Um, they have a culture that says, if you have a cousin that comes to you, uh, there's a number. And she couldn't remember whether it was $5,000 or $10,000. If you have it and they ask for it, you have to lend it. Yeah. And there's no like sense of like when you have to pay it back. Yeah, there's a lot of African cultures like that, too. I was driving through uh, Ivory Coast or Cote mm-hmm. with a with a missionary once and He's like, oh, you see all the unfinished buildings here? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason they're unfinished is because, uh, strangely, the like they these are a lot of the times a family comes around some money, and in order to not be not have to give it away to the rest of their family, they go ahead and spend as much of it as they can on a building, and then they run out of that money, uh-huh. and but they can't give it away anymore because it's wrapped up in a building. Um, genius so so there's half finished buildings all <laughs> over the countryside so that people don't have to give their money to their family yeah. so it's like a communal society kind of yeah like, kind of, it's yeah, still it's like, like humans a, being selfish yeah, but societally like if you have the cash in your bank it's the whole family's cash it's not yours so spain has the same problem in the south of spain their really? problem is for different reasons they <laughs> just start building and then they apply for planning permission Oh, and so if and they don't get, get it, you're just like stuck. It's just like, just still there. Um, Is that like a, a better to ask for forgiveness? Totally, situation? yeah. It's harder yeah. to say no when the building's half up. So, <laughs> so you just drive past, you're like, wow, that would be really nice in 20 or 30 years. Um, 
so yeah, the, 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 the corporate nature, I would say, I think even for like, I say, even for me as someone who's taught this passage before, I, I think I've even used terms like, well, it's, it's plural on purpose before. I don't know if it had really sunk in to me just how plural it is. Yeah. And, and, and how out of keeping with my way of thinking that is. Yeah. And how challenging potentially to my praxis that is. Yeah. Um, I actually, when I, for years, I pray this play, my father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, and then I prayed, give me this day, yeah. my daily bread. Yeah, yeah. I prayed it. I didn't even cross my mind. Now, is it is it wrong to pray that way? I, I don't think so. Like Paul, Paul will even talk about like let your be your your requests be made known to God. Like constantly be praying for all sorts of people, all sorts of requests. You know, I, I think I think what it does is it asks you to pray for your neighbor's bread with the same passion you pray for your bread. Yes. Oh, that's so that's a good like, line. That'll so, preach. So I don't I don't think there's a problem with mm. praying for yours. But but somewhere the type of people Jesus wants to make us into are the sort of people that are equally excited when our neighbor gets bread. Yeah. As we are when we get bread. Yeah, which is why I like when I talked about the the communal nature in mm -hmm. this section that, that yeah. I preached, I said the the Jesus way of prayer starts to has the attitude that starts starts to think communally uh -huh. and pray communally. Yeah. I try to have a progressive, like we're in the process mm. of gradually thinking more communally rather than individually. Does that make it evil to start with, like when you first meet Jesus and you're just like overwhelmed by his love and mm -hmm. you pray me, my whatever, there's yeah. a, that's fine. Like Jesus meets you where you are and you personally are so overwhelmed by the personal grace that it, Jesus extends to you. And he does extend mm -hmm. you personal grace mm -hmm. and personal mercy through the gospel but over time as he transforms you you begin to if you're in his way thinking in his way mm -hmm. you start to think as an us yes. rather than as a me. and we all know that life completely isolated is miserable like we know that even yeah. in our society today solitary confinement is one of the worst things that can be inflicted on a human being. Yeah. Like it's all just a matter of where we think that the, the, the pendulum should sit. Like, is it like, no, I don't want solitary confinement. No, I don't want loneliness or hermit status. I want this. And, and so, somewhere it's like at some point our individual nature starts wrestling with our desire for community. And so what the New Testament, I think, does beautifully at different points is it reflects on how there is there are things that are done individually. First John talks about, confess, uh, like, if any of you sins, confess your sins and he will forgive your sins. But then in other places, it will say things like, confess your sins one to another. Well, why? Well, actually, partly because when I tell you, oh, like, Aaron, like I really screwed up in this area. You're actually more likely to be gracious with me than I am. And so like for you to be able to say, well, you know, when you ask for forgiveness, God, he forgave you. For me, I'm like, ah, yeah, but like I still feel guilty and I still like, you know, I just, uh, this is what I was thinking. But I, you actually, like I always find in counseling when I counsel people, the stuff I still struggle with. Um, and when I counsel people, I'm like, well, you know, like, God loves you even in this. We're able to give that reminder to each other. 
yeah. um, th- that actually is 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 really important. Yeah. Corporate life is better than than individual life. Yeah, it also comes with some costs. Absolutely. And oh wow, that feels like such an understatement. But yeah. yes, you're right. And, and so yeah. so what 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 <laughs> the 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 like the unspoken point seems to be throughout all of this corporate. And plural language versus isolated and, and individualistic singular language is it's worth it. Like yeah. the, the corporate life is worth it. it. It's it's hard at times. It rubs off corners, but it actually will grow you more like Jesus. Yeah. Um, both in a marriage, both in a house share situation, both in a like college roommate situation in a, the right person will make you far more like Jesus than you'll become by yourself. Yeah. Um, and which is, yeah. yeah. Which is why like a lot of, like I'll talk to you a lot of young guys about like, who's, who are thinking about marriage or something like they're dating someone. They're like, I'm just not sure. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one thing about her that just rubs me wrong. And so I was like, I try to break the perception that they're going to just find someone that, only makes them feel happy and perfect all the time. Yeah. I said, if that's what you find, that's probably the wrong person for you. Mm, yeah. One, they don't exist because they're human, but um, part of marriage is designed to scrape off some of the edges. Mm. Um, God, God knew that we needed to like have this covenant to make us stick together yeah. long enough to actually rub off those edges. Yeah. So it, the, if it's hard, it's not a sign it's not working. It might actually be a sign that it's doing exactly what yes, it's supposed to yeah, do. Yeah. And that's how community works a lot of the time is it rubs off the hard edges, and that's painful to us individually, but it's a sign that maybe God's up to something. Mm. So I had, we only have a few minutes left, we and I had a, a section that you that I wrote down during your message that I was just like, oh, I want to linger there for a second. So maybe you can reiterate it in a couple different ways and like harp on it for a minute or just like mm. vamp on it for, cause it would blew my mind. Uh, why would we want this at the an answer to this prayer? You mm-hmm. sort of, you, you said it fairly efficiently you said, if I already have more than this, prayer, yeah. I already have more than bread. Yeah. I have pho or I have a steak in the fridge uh-huh. that I'm going to make up yeah. tonight why would I want this to pray this prayer? It's actually praying for less than I currently have. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay. I'd never even considered that. Cause I just, my mind just automatically like leapt forward mm-hmm. to, Oh, bread is a metaphor for whatever it is. I actually want to eat tonight. Yeah. Which is a steak. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And you're saying, well, maybe, maybe not. Well, so well one, on like, yeah, bit. maybe it's. It's actually praying for less potentially sometimes for those yes. of us who have. Yeah. And, and, and what, like what. So I, I think most Westerners, and I would say I'm very much in this category. We, we tend to, to use bread as a, as a synonym of like stuff I need. Yeah. Which is, which might be fair. Like, you know, you there's do, probably you, some truth. To you that, do yeah. need clothing. Like human beings are of all people, all species, the most vulnerable without clothing. Like you do need that. You do need food. You do need shelter. You, you, and then it, by extension, perhaps there's some stuff that you need specifically in a specific society. Um, 
most of us would find it very hard to go about our day-to-day lives in this area without a car, though not impossible. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really easy for me to, to make that gloss or segue from, okay, I don't need food. I'm making all those choices. God, I'm going to pray to you about some other stuff. But but I, I actually make a load of assumptions about my needs and often often just blur the lines between needs and desires. So I was chatting to this to someone after about this to someone mm. afterwards. I just bought a new car. It's 12 years old. It's also a car I really like. Um, which is actually the first car I've liked that I've ever owned. Um, <laughs> yeah, like my current car is the same way. Yeah. I was like, I actually like this yeah, car. This I, I have never like, especially <laughs> since we got married, there were, there was maybe one or two cars that I kind of had an affection for that were my first cars or you know, one of those early cars. But, but since Laura and I got married, like we've always found ourselves in a position where we needed a family car because she has the kids with us. She usually drives that. And I will try and pick up something super cheap that one of them, like the brakes worked sometimes. Like, it was that bad. It was like, there would just be times where I put my foot on the brake and nothing would In happen. In this case, brakes are your daily bread. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Give me some brakes. So, so without going into details of exactly how much it cost, it was a moderately priced car. It was very reasonable. Could I have got a car for less? Yeah. Yeah, I could have gone down to like $2,000, $3,000 and had all of those different aspects to it. Like, so, so when I'm praying for stuff, like I'm, I'm aware that my mind very quickly goes from the Toyota Corolla I talked about to something I actually want. And, and I have to acknowledge, no, you're moving into the realm of desires, not needs there. Yeah. Um, and so actually living well in the way of Jesus actually seems to require actually saying, God, somewhere I believe my daily bread is related to the thing that you talked about the, uh, the week before your will for the world. Like yeah. you are working in this world and I'm praying your will be done. And then I'm asking for bread and somewhere while it doesn't actually explicitly stay, explicitly say it, I'm also praying and over my bread, your will be done. It seems you can't pray your will be done for the world without praying your will be done for my bread. Yeah. And that I think is what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Which means like, ironically, I guess the thing one, it awakened this section of the prayer a little bit for me because it helped me realize that I am genuinely praying for some of my basic needs. Yeah. And some of those things might include uh, it, given the society we're in and all those sorts of things, it might include way more than bread. Yeah. But I might also inadvertently be asking God uh, to limit my bread. Mm hmm in order to answer the real bread prayer for someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, and I've seen you do that without making you sound awesome. I've seen you with situations where you've had some money that, you know, has, has appeared and you've chosen to give it away. You could probably have used that for something else. There were probably some things you could have enjoyed doing, like, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, without giving details, like you have that heartbeat. I think, I think there is this like, there's this space that we're called to that requires surrender. Um, and, and, and listening and graciousness with ourselves. 
as I was processing this, I was actually watching, and you were in this world too, I know, so I was actually watching cryptocurrency finally recover. Yeah. And I was watching like the numbers in my account go up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. And I, and I was teaching about bread. And I was like, is this something that I sh- should I just sell this and give it away? Yeah. And then I was like, but I also have debt that I'm trying to pay off. Like, if I sell it, should I just pay? Should, should I build a house? <laughs> should I pay off some debt so I don't have it anymore? <laughs> like, what what you do with those different things? Like, I've been comfortable holding some debt because it's cheap, and I'm hoping that this thing goes up. And, you know, all those questions and conundrums that you wrestle with as a homeowner or a, you know, whatever. Yeah. It requires trust, genuine listening, and graciousness that you won't always get it right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're hoping in your Christian faith that suddenly the scriptures are going to get unlocked for you in some way, or some pastor is going to give you some sermon that makes all of these kinds of decisions really, really easy, then Christianity is not the faith for you Mm. because God seems to be more interested in, in rewiring us from the inside out, which is a long, slow, arduous process and he seems more interested in a daily practice of mm. coming to him prayerfully, seeking wisdom, saying, well, wrestling with exactly what you just said, mm. saying, God, I desperately want to walk in your way with your heart. Mm. In this situation, what does that look mm. like? And then maybe the next time you come and it's almost identical situations, he'll give you a different answer. Yeah. And so it just means this slow, arduous process of learning how to live in his way. And it's and, just, and, it's complicated. And be comfortable. I think this is the, maybe the final thing I'd say, be comfortable with the fact that to start with, you may not want to do it if you're honest. Yeah. And it's quite okay to pray, Jesus, I don't want to be generous with this, but I want to want to be generous yeah and, and you may feel that's even too much of a stretch for you yeah and you may actually begin with i don't even want to want to be generous but i want to want to want to be generous <laughs> yeah. like you know yeah. and, and actually allowing jesus to lead you step by step towards him and his heart is yeah. a good place to be yeah and I, that, I, I love it that this prayer starts with that father place mm, yeah because you know you go to a father who understands you. He knows all those inner workings and he's like, I, you know, I get it. You've got all these flaws. We're working on this together. Mm -hmm. And there's less, there's less condemnation in that dialogue than you may naturally be think. Um, But yeah, it's complicated. And so I think what we'll get to in different, I think you've got a section to teach on this in a couple of weeks, right? Or three weeks or so. Um, remember? Hopefully not a couple. It's like three. Maybe, yeah, three. Uh, three, weeks. three sounds about right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually know that your father is not just trying to deny you of stuff, but he actually, in, 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 in his language, will start to say, the financial system and finances in general have a way of getting their claws into you. And it's actually no way to live. And so there's so many things in life that we might think, oh, that's that I want that. And then you actually get to a point of of it has you and you realize you don't want it. Yeah. And and that's some of what we'll unpack today. Yeah. You should preach that some sermon. That sounded great. You got it, man. There you go. <laughs> Just uh, can't wait. Uh, yeah. Well, now I know what to say. Perfect. All right. See y'all. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Bye.